Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters, and today I'm joined by Connor right. and Harry. Hello. And today we'll be talking about the fact that they just won't talk about this, the new cure for exhaustion, which is death, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sleepy, yes, I'll die. <laughs> and also that they just can't see it, which is um, your local dentist. If you have a look around, you might notice a few things. But anyway, um, I suppose we'll just get into the news, then, shall we? Hmm. This is my segment we've got on screen, John. Mind getting? I'm uh, sure he's getting the next one up. The but, next uh, one, or uh, there is also a first. Yep, I can't also see the script because there is a. Are we just going to improvise? John is currently mogging us as well. That's uh, so- all. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about mogging the whole time before we started. Yep, yep, that's fine. No, no, it's oh, there, there. We go. That's all right. I think it's just the Connor doesn't have his notes on the screen. There we go. Oh, We've he? got it now. Way. Excellent. Oh, fantastic. Mogging averted. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, just for context, right before this, I was showing Callum a video I found on Odyssey called Mogging with Mogging Photos with Sad Music. It's just tall guys and very short guys in photos with very sad music behind it. Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro and whatnot. Yeah, that was that was one of my favorites. He is quite drastically short. Anyway, sorry Chris about Pratt that. next to the Indian guy from Parks and Recs. Anyway, right, so the distraction tactics deployed by MPs and members of the media to stump for mass migration, wearing pretty thin these days, no one's really buying it. So because their narrative control is waning, either they have the option of choosing this to be a moment of self-reflection or doing their best ostrich impression and sticking their head straight in the sand while also accelerating the rate at which they control the means of information flowing. So don't notice the fact that the acid attacker was a migrant Instead, we're going to control hurty words on social media. Definitely the same taxes as happened after David Amos stabbing. But we'll get into all of that. Before we do, we'd like to announce that Calvin Robinson has joined the Lotus Eaters. Very glad that my friend has come aboard. He'll be doing a Thursday afternoon show now. He'll be doing Calvin's Common Sense Crusade with us behind the paywall. And if you aren't already a paying member over at lotuseaters.com, you can sign up for as little as £5 a month. Uh, to get all of our exclusive content, or if you fancy upgrading or joining as a gold tier member, this is for existing subscribers too, we're currently running a code, 50% off gold tier subscriptions. The code is CRUSADE, and the incentive to be a gold tier member, you can send video comments in to Calvin Robinson to get his fatherly advice at the end of this show. Uh, if you do send him a video comment, make sure your video comment is explicitly for Calvin makes it a lot easier for our editors. Also, but, that discount lasts for three months, and that's including for upgraders as well. Thanks very much for that, Harry. Right, let's get into the, uh, the the first topic. So, if you haven't heard, Mike Freer, who is the MP for Finchley and Golders Green in London, has stepped down. He's been the MP since 2010, and he stepped down because on Christmas Eve 2023, uh, his office was firebombed. So we have some photos of it printed by the Daily Mail here. Uh, Pretty drastic stuff. Not not exactly great for a man who's faced over a decade of death threats by actual Islamists. So he said he's had a death threat from Muslims against Crusaders. Now, this is a proscribed terrorist group, proscribed by Theresa May, led by Anjem Chowdhury, who's currently in prison. Other members are currently in prison. And they sent him a note and referenced Stephen Timms. Now, Stephen Timms was Chief Secretary to the Treasury in the Blair Brown government. And he was stabbed in 2010 at a constituency survey by a 21-year-old Islamist uh, called Rosanna Chowdhury. And then when he did another surgery following receiving that death threat, uh, members of Muslims Against Crusaders showed up to the mosque and he had to be escorted out by security. So targeted by those guys, also targeted by Ali Harbi Ali, the guy who stabbed David Amos to death and stalked Freer and also Michael Gove. He showed up at Finchley armed, but it turns out that that week, um, Mike 
had been appointed as a cabinet minister by Boris Johnson and just happened to not be at his constituency office. So he could have actually been the man stabbed instead. So all of this going on, even after David Amos has been killed, all of this because of a seeming Islamic extremist population in the area. Uh, Freer does note that he is a gay married man and also has taken a very pro-Israel stance since October the 7th because Golders Green is a heavily Jewish area of London. So he decided to blame emails and social media instead in his uh, exclusive interview. Yeah, we we covered a bit of this on Monday and uh, Callum, you couldn't help but chuckle at the emails part of that because, I mean, what, are people still using like live chat or whatever it was back on Hotmail back in the day? They send emails to their MPs. And so he's saying this... Uh, this is the mechanism by which people... An email jumped out with a knife. Aha! Well, yeah, an email clearly firebombed your constituency office. I'm just going to play a couple of clips of his interviews as he's done the rounds, uh, because this was mentioned earlier in the week. Uh, it's, it's, but, such, it's such a boomer thing, though, isn't it? No, well, it's, the, it's the social media and it's the emails, those damn emails. It's, it's not a boomer thing. It's a directed party line thing from the top to obfuscate from the fact that they have imported this problem and they don't want to admit to it, because they're all taking the same line on multiple issues over the course of multiple years. and so. This is what they don't want to talk about. It's a problem of their own creation. But I'll just play him talking about this. When it comes to the attacks that you've, you've faced, do we take Islamist threats seriously enough, do you think? Well, I don't think it's just um, Islamist threats. I don't want to tire a whole community because my local mosque, my North Finchley mosque, mm. were amazing. They were <laughs> horrified by what had happened. Uh, and that's not a reflection on my local community. But we do have a problem where people, and I think my personal view is it, this is where social media has a, a lot to blame, because people get their news from social media, then it's kind of unfiltered. And if it's on social media, it must be true. Uh, but social media companies really don't do enough to take harmful content off or when you complain about something that's on there, basically either you don't get an answer to your complaint or, or nothing happens. And so I think there's two parts. One is social media with content that allows people to be uh, you know, like indoctrinated. Mm. Um, and I think and beyond that, a slightly broader problem we have is you know, we do need to do far more to ensure that people in the UK sign up to our British values. You know, I'm, I'm a gay man. That's not mm. a... That was one of the reasons why Muslim Games Crusades also came after me, being mm. pro-Israel and gay in a mosque. That's a whole different story. But it's like, I don't need you to like me. Mm. I don't need you to accept me, but I do need to understand that this is Britain and these are our values. And if you don't like it, well, that's going to be your problem. I don't expect you to come after me. Mm. So our British values are just accept gays. There's no, there's no reason why the Muslims against Crusaders might object to you other than the fact that you are gay. And it's clearly social media misinformation that threw that Molotov cocktail at your constituency office. Oh, if this is British values, people are taking keep calm and carry on a bit far as far as I'm concerned now. But the interesting thing here is, as you mentioned, this is now all being put onto social media. It's being put onto emails. Clearly, the tactic that they're taking is that fantastic. I'm so glad that this happened because now we have more excuse to go harder with the online harms bill, to censor more. We know that when they start to implement these laws, they don't actually target Islamist groups. Specifically, they tend to go more for right-wing organizations and right-wing hate. And not to get conspiratorial, but given that they are trying to push the online harms bill and uh, this firebombing having just happened 
um, and him immediately, despite being the target, trying to push it to the side. I'm just saying that uh, governments have been known, have been known to um, false flag things to generate consent. We not can't allege saying, that. Not that I'm saying yeah, that. that did I think happen. that's a little bit outlandish. I think genuinely, it's that crazy Islamists have firebombed his office, and they're unwilling to address the problem, both because they have imported the problem, and in their arrogance, they think they can make converts of even the most insane jihadian with, I don't know, GDP go up, I guess. And also, they already have the pre-existing political ambition to censor speech on the internet. And so they're now thinking, right, we've manufactured consent for it by having loads of problems with diversity. Why don't we just shut the people up that are complaining online about it? So on a human level, you'd imagine that this happens to you. You run in politics, you want to make a difference, and you start getting firebombed and your life threatened by some Islamists. And then you're stepping out of politics. You're done. You're leaving because of all this. So on a human level, what, what would you do? Well, you'd go and just say the truth because, I mean, you're leaving politics anyway. You can't be like, look, we've got a massive problem. The government don't want to fix it. I can't operate in politics anymore because of this problem you've imported. It, I kind of lost all sympathy for this man now that I know that he's doing this. Because, I mean, what is that line? Like a bunch of Islamists tried to kill you and you're like, well, I won't want to single out the Islamists. You know, it could also be the Jews or something. Like, what, what, who? The line, Name who? The line gets even worse. This is, this is why I wanted to sort of recover this in detail because later on he makes one of the most egregious and disgusting claims and you just have to hear it for your own ears. But anyway, so he didn't just do GB News. He also went on Talk TV. Um, and this is where he genuinely blamed email for those who haven't listened. No, I think what's changed is um, social media, uh, I do believe, has a lot to answer for. It allows people almost to be threatening and abusive with impunity because it's, it's virtually anonymous and social media companies are very slow to react if they react at all. Yeah. And email, I have to say, you know, email allows people to say things uh, that they would never say to your face. And so it generally makes the whole level of discourse much more coarse, much more abusive. And I think it becomes a bit of a downward spiral. And All those radicalised mums on Mumsnet bombing your constituency office. Yeah. It, it just... It's absurd. But anyway, so, so I wanted to point out that it's not just the Conservative Party facing this. This is a noose that Labour have made for their own neck, right? Because this was thankfully posted by the Islam Channel. Uh, Angela Rayner and uh, who else was it? Um, Jonathan Reynolds. They went to a fundraising event at Stockport Hotel and they got interrupted by pro-Palestine protesters. The thing I wanted to note, though, is look how close this guy gets to them. But security are just on the other side of the door. This guy could have been armed all they know. And he just walks straight up to the MPs during the dinner speech. Wasn't vetted. Assumedly ticketed event. Um, have we learned nothing after Joe Cox, Tim's, David Amos at all? But I don't agree with any of their politics. I don't want to see them stabbed by crazy Islamists. And, and I bring up David Amos because the rhetoric that's coming out of Mike Freer's regulation sounds a hell of a lot like what happened with David Amos. I mean, Lindsay Hoyle, after Mike Freer stood down, he said that MPs need to treat each other better. MPs. Yeah, the MPs stabbed David Amos to death. Yeah, MPs firebombed Mike Freer's constituency office. <laughs> He's blamed an election frenzy and the coarsening of language in Parliament and told MPs to engage in a nicer politics. I assume there is an investigation going into who firebombed his office right now, right? I would assume so. I assume so. Are you going to guess an MP's name? <laughs> <laughs> now, sure. <laughs> I mean, just... It was it's not going to be an MP. Oh, Claudia Webb. Yeah, Claudia Webb did it. <laughs> She's responsible. No. It, 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 These it, people are so out of touch. But uh, It's not even that they're out of touch. They're just lying. They're genuinely lying because this happened with David Amos, right? 
And I want to I hammer this home. Douglas Murray's made this point ad nauseum. How disgusting the MPs were after the murder of Sir David Amos. Because if you don't know, Sir David Amos, uh, Essex MP, Southend, was giving a uh, surgery, talking to his constituents. And Ali Harbi Abbey, son of a Somalian diplomat, walked up to him, stabbed him to death, uh, and just sat on his body waiting for the police to arrive. Now, Abbey had already stalked Freer, he'd stalked Gove, and chose David Amos, I believe, for his stance over Middle Eastern politics, apparently. And the first parliamentary session after David Amos was murdered, his seat was left vacated, and his colleagues proposed passing David's law to crack down on social media abuse against MPs and end online anonymity. They spoke as if a tweet had killed their friend. Like, never underestimate the ability for people who would use the murder of their friend to push through a pre-existing political ambition to do literally anything, including just lie to your face about Islamism. So I'm just going to read a little bit from this Guardian article, right? Because of all people, Keir Starmer actually stood up against this. I, I, I can't believe it, but... <laughs> quote, while police are investigating whether there are any links to Islamist extremism and have not connected the killing to the targeting of MPs online, allies of Amos said he had voiced growing concern about threats and toxicity within public discourse. Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, told the Commons, civility in politics matters, but we must not lose sight of the fact that David's killing was an alleged act of terror on the streets of our country. What the hell? The Conservative Party were so obsessed with the online harms bill that they blamed online hate for the murder of their colleague, but blaming Keir Starmer turned around and said, I don't know, probably a Muslim terrorist. What, what happens is you get an incident committed by fringe groups that have been imported into the country. The government immediately decides this is a fantastic opportunity to punish our own natives. That's what they always do. We want to screw you over, normal person doing nothing wrong in the street, just tweeting. And we want to make sure that the people, once again, like we covered on Monday, with all of these cases over and over and over and over again of foreign criminals being imported into the country, committing crimes, and then being let back onto the streets. They're who they want on the streets. And Keir Starmer, I can only assume here, I don't take anything that that man says without a hefty dose of salt. So I can only assume that this was when he was deciding that he was going to start positioning himself as a sensible, uh, sensible centrist moderate for his Labour campaign, which started around this time. Yeah, reminder, when Keir Starmer was a lawyer, he did work above of his book to here, who were the ones that were calling for jihad on the October the 7th, post-October the 7th protests, who have now been a prescribed terrorist group. But the only difference, if Keir Starmer gets in from the regime that we live under at the moment, is Keir Starmer will actually have the balls to just go full authoritarian nakedly, I would imagine, <laughs> as opposed to the conservatives who want to do it piecemeal and surreptitiously. Yeah, well, I have to call it Mark Francois here, because I actually, like, I like what he's done with Brexit and pushing for the Rwanda bill. But Francois was the spearhead on this. So Francois used to lead the European Research Group. And he, he said David Amos is one of his closest friends. And he told the Commons he was minded to drag Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey to the bar of the house. If ne necessary, kicking and screaming so they can look us all in the eye and account for their actions or rather their inactions that make them even richer than they already are. You, Jack Dorsey, that's right. You stabbed David Amos, didn't you? We're going to take you to court. This, this is what I mean. It's like, they're just lying. They're lying and they're refusing to talk about the fact that they have manufactured consent for this by importing crazy Islamists. It's a narco-tyranny in action, as we've spoke about so many times. So Francois said, let's put, if I may be so presumptuous, David's law on the statute book, the essence of which would be that while people in public life must remain open to legitimate criticism, they can no longer be vilified or their families subject to the most horrendous abuse, especially from people who can hide behind a cloak of anonymity with the convenience of the social media companies who, who profit. End online anonymity because... 
a non-anonymous Islamist stabber killed a friend of yours. Right. All, all cowards, all cowards. And especially Mike Free is a coward, right? Because in the same interview, right, with Julia Hartley Brewer, so he interviewed, was interviewed by Nick Dubois, who was also stabbed as an MP, and he said multiculturalism failed. But when he was talking to Julia Hartley Brewer, he said, and I quote, we cannot possibly know Ali Harvey Abbey's murder, uh, motivation for murdering David Amos. He's going to play it. All right. Muslim Games Crusades um, made a very, very uh, unsubtle threat to come and stab me at a, a surgery I was hosting in my one of my mosques because I've always been accessible. I've always done surgeries out and about in the community because I think that's part of the job. But they were very unset, unsubtle about saying, let Stephen Timms be um, a, um, a reminder to you. The Labour MP who was mosques. stabbed in his constituency. Who was stabbed, yes. Survived. Um, yes. And they, they then came back at the next mosque surgery I had after that. Um, then was to demonstrate because it had some police outside. And then if you look at Ali Habi Ali, again, we're not quite sure what his motivation was, but it seems to be something to do with uh, Syria or David and I, David Amos and I's views on the Middle East. And so what happens is it just seems to be people just seem to be able to online get a lot of information that is never <laughs> checked. They just you know swallow whatever they're fed by social media. And so they, and they, they, just do, go they quickly become... Uh, take a very hardline view yeah. and then fixate on someone that has a different view. He's definitely been coached yeah. for this interview with a note really? sheet that in front of him. Well, no, no, no. There will be one piece of coaching that he will receive, which is online. Make sure that you always point this back to online activity rather than what the government is responsible for with importing criminals. And vague assimilation to British values, but talk about it as in, we support Israel and I'm a gay man, not that we have a Christian foundation to the country and it's incompatible with Islam. What's, what's he getting in exchange, though? Because that's what I don't get. Like, with the guys who are lying about David Amos, they're yep. still in politics. Mm. They've got to lie. I can, I can recognize that. But with a man who's leaving politics... What's he leaving to? Though? A job in an NGO afterwards, because if you criticise, yeah, but that's yeah. enough, is it? That's that's all it takes to buy these people. Yeah, because the yeah. payout's massive, mate. <laughs> it's like six or seven figures. I don't even think you'd need that much for these people. Yeah, but of course they're going to do that. Like not being funny. So watch watch what he does afterwards. Genuinely, and I'm 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 would have, as you said already, the utmost sympathy for him for the death threats and the firebombings and like. If you didn't just lie about the murder of your colleague, like, I. If one of you lads was stabbed, I wouldn't use your deaths to push my own political agenda. I I just think it's frankly evil on a human level, and we shouldn't be surprised. Because no, please, please do, please like stand on my corpse and say deport them, deport them. Oh no, you would have agreed with that though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this is this is the line also being taken by the Clapham acid attack, as as was already mentioned earlier in the week. I mean, Gillian Keegan turning around and saying that um, this is not really about asylum. He's a sex offender who lied about his Christian conversion and got accepted on the third application and then threw acid at a woman and her toddlers. If he wasn't here, he would not have done it. So of course it's about asylum. But you're lying and you're smiling while you're lying because you know that your record on migration is indefensible. So you're just deflecting. Not the only one as well. Um, Caroline Noakes and Bell Ribeiro Addy on Newsnight turned around and said, well, it's actually improper to discuss the acid attackers' uh, migration status. Instead, we need to talk about misogyny and microaggressions against MPs online. Using, no, using an acid attack against a woman and children to talk about mean words over the internet sent to you. Peak luxury belief, but all right. Well, all, all the people in charge are narcissists. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, Caroline knows. So of course, all they want is for it to be about their victimhood, their struggles that they go through, not the actual people who've died. I, I once watched a Caroline Noakes interview with Nick DeBoer, actually, on talk radio so sorry. ages ago. Yeah, because it was, it was when I was meant to be doing it, and she was right before me. And so I just tweeted out my disagreement with her, because she was talking about migration, she was just smoothing over things, and then 50-50 parliament. And I didn't even at her, and she went and searched for her own name on Twitter to go and reply to me. I'd, so when you're saying these people are narcissists, yeah, they cannot abort any criticism of their position. They just call it abuse. This was one of the most egregious ones as well. Uh, some barrister went on GB News and said, Abdul Azadi's immigration status has nothing to do with acid attacks. And in this, he talks about Andrew Tate. He blames Andrew Tate for the acid attack. Just, you're just lying. You're, you're all just the most insidious, disgusting liars. I mean, I ended up ratioing this. If you can just scroll down. Yeah. If you've been removed from the country, would this have happened? No. You know the answer to it, so I can only presume you're lying to advance an agenda on behalf of criminal foreigners at the expense of the safety of women and children. I mean, that's all you can assume. And to be fair, from the information that I could deduce from what was being reported, it seems that were it not for uh, Afghan asylum, the, w- the women and the children wouldn't have been in this country either. So, yeah. so the entire the, event wouldn't have the, the entire situation was completely avoidable if we didn't open ourselves up to it. Yeah, but have you considered, Harry, that this is just an inevitability? So, so this is this is this is the logic of these people, right? This is the reason they're lying. Okay, Matthew Stadlin, who's a Labour Party activist, so he'll be influencing the next government. And he said, "We should be absolutely clear: male violence against women isn't limited to some asylum seekers. It is endemic in British society." Ah, yes, those Andrew Tate emails happening again. But this is—it's a distraction. It's saying, "Well, we're always going to have male violence here anyway," and so the mass influx of rapey foreigners from overseas is always going to happen. So we don't need to reject it. It's not an option to keep women and girls safe. Actually, it's just something we need to effectively micromanage. I mean, when, when people like Matthew lie about this, they do understand that public figures are available of crime statistics going back to the Victorian era and even prior to that, right? You do. Did you see my exchange with Albie about this? Uh, no, I didn't. Albie brought up an obscure article that said for a couple of years, there were a couple of acid attacks in Victoria and London. Therefore, it's a British pastime. I'm not joking. Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> guess case closed. Yeah, yeah. There's, never mind the fact that we're now the acid attack capital of the world since the last two years where we've brought loads of people over from the countries that commit honor-based acid attacks. I mean, similarly, there was this guy called Jack the Ripper in Victorian England. So therefore... Machete attacks are a British pastime. There you go. Makes sense. The knifing in London, well, that's just what the British have always been up to, isn't it? Case closed, boys. So I, I ranted about this for European Conservative. If you want to read more on the David Amos stuff, go ahead. It's there. But I wanted to draw your attention just on the last part to Rishi Sunak. Now, Rishi Sunak, this rock goes to the top level, did an interview with Piers Morgan about two days ago. This is the one where he almost accidentally committed uh, a breach of the commons because he made Piers Morgan a bet of, for a £1,000 that there would be flights to Rwanda take off. And they were like, technically, that's bribery. You can't really do that. <laughs> but I wanted to focus on this throwaway comment he made about um, the Israelis because it really does reveal the, and we're bored of talking about double standards, but the double standard morality that Britain takes to its people and its national sovereignty versus to its overseas allies. Uh, which, you know, we're paying both sides of the war. I mean, we're, we're subsidizing the UN to give aid to people in Gaza, which is almost certainly going to Hamas. But then we're also doing diplomatic and trade negotiations with Israel. Whatever, point being, listen to Rishi Sunak and what he says about the Israeli conflict. 10,000 children 
in Gaza have been killed. 19,000 more have been orphaned. 65% or so of Gaza has been flattened. I, I mean, it is, what is going on is devastating. Have you considered, I mean, you're in a moral quandary, as I've been, about the scale of this response and where that limit should be before countries like ours say enough? Whilst I support and we support Israel's right to defend itself and remove the threat that Hamas poses to its people, because we have to start there in all cases. Imagine if that had happened in our country, what people would rightly expect of the government. They have to do that in a way that avoids best as possible harming civilians and too many. Imagine if that had happened to our country. Imagine. Can anyone think of a series of events spanning 50 years that might be comparable to the October the 7th abductions, rapes, and murders? Any thoughts come to mind? Well, my first thought was the grooming gangs. It has happened. Happened to thousands of girls across English cities. For how many years? Zero police officers have been accountable. Most of the perpetrators still haven't seen long prison sentences or any prosecutions at all. We've still got reports coming out about it, like this report into the Rochdale one, 173-page report, case review of 111 children, found 74 children were being sexually exploited, 48 cases there were serious failures in safeguarding. Uh, apparently, 96 men have been identified as probable perpetrators, and they're still free. Didn't Carl say that half of those who'd been sent to prison regard, uh, because of Rochdale, uh, they've been released early? I don't know the exact statistics. I mean, we yeah, have that was done... On, that was on Monday when Carl was... Thoroughly blackpilling me. Uh, yeah, half of them who were even sent to prison are now out. Yeah, we have done an extensive grooming gang timeline on the website. Um, both you, Callum, and Carl went through this. So this is a really good resource, again, behind the paywall. Um, if you can just get the last link up, please, John, because there should be a, a tweet there. The, the point that I'm making is that it's okay for collective punishment to be dished out overseas when Israeli and other foreign nationals that were there at the time men, women, and children are abducted, raped, abused, murdered, paraded through the streets. But when it's our own, no, you're not allowed to do anything about it. Uh, you will actually be told that you're a racist if you notice that these are race and religious-based grooming. Um, you'll be told that it's just online hate, which is firebombing the constituencies of MPs and stabbing them by their own colleagues. And you'll be told not to notice the fact that this is an option that this was imported, that we don't need sex-offending acid attackers walking the streets of London. Actually, this is something that the politicians have done and are now using as a pretext to censor you if you complain about it. And so I'm going to finish on this tweet by Rorag Nationalist. Now, uh, the Labour Party are getting harassed because they're not sufficiently pro-Palestine, as we saw earlier. This is the Rochdale by-election candidate, you know, Rochdale, where the grooming gangs happened, uh, the man who got his endorsement delivered in Urdu. And uh, these are a series of men sitting in a curry house saying, chanting at him, free Palestine, because the Labour Party hasn't committed uh, unilaterally to Palestinian victory. And Rorag Nationalist has just tweeted, if you want a vision of the future of British politics, picture a group of South Asian men shouting insults at each other across a table in a brightly lit curry house forever. And if I might add, if you so much as send an email or a tweet about that, you'll be the one arrested, because they just don't want you to talk about it. All right, then. Fun. <laughs> what is there to say? Just the entire political class are entirely cowards who have done this to us. And then we're meant to just sit here and be like, oh, yeah, just the emails. Well, there's no, there's, no, there's no alternative option to vote for. Um, and if they don't give you one, oh. well, then something very bad is going to end up happening. And I don't endorse it, but... 
I suppose we move on. All right, time. yeah. So, uh, shall we talk about something even more fun? So, science has come a long way. Medical science in particular has given us cures for many different diseases and many different conditions that in a previous era would have been completely debilitating or even fatal. But now science has kind of circled back around to the oldest and purest of cures, which is, why don't you just die? The tried and tested Aztec method. Yes, the government comes in and says, that sounds terrible. Have you tried killing yourself? Here, we've got some rope for you. And uh, now they've got pods. They've got all manner of, you know, you talk about pod people. The government's got a whole new kind of pod in the pipeline for you that you're going to have get very acquainted with very briefly. So the prisons are full of criminals. Yes. That are proven criminals, but we won't have the death penalty. But because of the Mm. NHS waiting list mounting up, because we keep importing people that don't pay for it, if you're ill and you can be treated, but we can't treat you because the waiting list is too long, we'll kill law-abiding citizens instead. Well, you've got to consider that with that, at least the wait times won't be as long. There'll always be a free pod. Fair point. Uh, stick Only a plastic bag over minutes. your eyes and protect the NHS. Yeah, so um, it's not come to the UK yet, but it will be. It, it will be. And while I get into this, before I do, I'll point you all to the website. We've had the wonderful father, Calvin Robinson, join us. His first ever episode of his Common Sense Crusade for the Lotus Eaters will be airing tomorrow at three o'clock. That'll be going out live on the website. That will be premium, so only subscribers to the website can, sign, can watch that. So you can sign up for uh, bronze tier for £5 a month. Or if you'd like, you can go to gold tier for 50% off at the moment. And that's for both new subscribers and people upgrading. That'll be £15 per month for gold tier uh, for th- uh, the first three months after you use it with the code CRUSADE. So you can sign that up now. And if you get gold tier, then you'll be able to send in video comments for fatherly, uh, fatherly advice from Calvin. Just if you're going to do so, make sure that you address it specifically to Calvin using something like Dear Father Calvin at the beginning of the video. It's a very exciting opportunity. So please take advantage while you still can. So this subject was inspired by this recent uh, tweet, this recent story that I saw emerging on Twitter, which centered around this woman, now deceased, Lauren Hove, who posted this on her Twitter account on January the 27th of this year, saying, this will be my last tweet. Thanks for the love, everyone. I'm going to rest a bit more and be with my loved ones. Enjoy a last morbid meme from me with this image saying, me getting euthanized. So whatever you want to say about this girl and the intelligence of the decision, the ethics of a decision to do something like this, at least she posted a meme. Yeah, hell of a way to go out. Yeah, at least she posted a meme about it. So she was trying to be, well, she was being explicitly morbid, but, you know, you can have a black sense of humor, gallows humor, etc. You don't have to pull that face at me. It's genuinely horrifying. It is genuinely I'm horrifying. I'm sorry, I can't laugh at that. That's just... It is genuinely horrifying, but I, I don't know, at least she faced the pod with a smile. She's <laughs> encouraged by the government to kill herself. I'm not really sorry. I just uh, I don't know what the circumstances. Well, well, the uh, the official statement has been released by her family using the Twitter account, and I can only assume that this seems to be somewhat of a political statement because she was suffering from a condition called ME. I can't pronounce the scientific title. It's known as chronic fatigue syndrome as well. I'll go into that in just a moment because I spoke to Josh about it because I'm not an expert. I actually have known quite a few people over the years who suffer from it. But it seems to be one of those quite controversial conditions, uh, a syndrome that even medical professionals don't 
all have a consensus on and don't agree on. So I spoke to Josh about it because happily when he was studying at university, he told me that uh, one of the professors that he got along with was one of the, was, was the top researcher in chronic fatigue syndrome. So he gave me a bit of information about it and we'll get onto the circumstances. But this is the statement that she released, uh, or at least her parents released after she was euthanized saying, uh, Lauren passed away peacefully on January 27th, 2024, at age 28. She requested euthanasia after years of unbearable suffering caused by severe ME chronic fatigue syndrome. Lauren's family and loved ones are touched and overwhelmed by the interest and support from the media and the public. However, Lauren believed that our attention should be on the living. Millions of people are affected by ME slash CFS with no established treatment pathways and no cure. Why is their suffering acknowledged enough for euthanasia but not enough to fund clinical research. We are therefore encouraging you to support initiatives which advocate for ME patients. Some of these include the Open Medicine Foundation and ME Action Network. We ask you to respect the privacy of Lauren's family in this difficult time. So it's very interesting that they chose to frame it in such a way because it does seem to be a very valid point to me that now, because this was happening in uh, the Netherlands because she was Dutch, this is becoming a more common thing and will only get more common which is in the absence of a reliable treatment or even a reliable diagnosis with ME because of how uh, un uncertain a lot of the factors regarding it are, if you say, if you give a self-diagnosis over a no long enough period of time that I can't bear this anymore, this is debilitating to me, I can't live a positive and good and healthy life with whatever condition it is, the government and the medical establishment, rather than actually doing anything, trying to innovate with their services, trying to come up with new novel cures, will just turn around and say, well, you could just kill yourself and we can help you with that. There's a financial incentive there and also uh, for various conditions, surgeons and practitioners have been encouraged to do the affirmative care model, which rather than asking questions and probing the conditions of their patients, they've often just been inclined to agree with them for fear of losing their medical license. So you're right, if they do report symptoms of, I'm tired, I'm depressed, I can barely get out of bed, life isn't worth anything over a consistent enough time period, then you don't have to do a brain scan, you don't have to have some kind of terminal illness. It's just your lived experience is enough for you to be killed. Well, even beyond that, um, on her account uh, that's still up on Twitter, there was this article posted now, it's in Dutch, uh, but on my Google, I was able to translate it. And it was an interview with her that was posted uh, uh, you know, at the end of December, so less than a month before she was euthanized. And it gave a lot of information. And I think there's a lot of complexity to her case that really does highlight how um, the ethics of this are untested. I mean, assisted dying is probably one of the most unsolved questions every society has. It's like, where's the line if you do do it? What's the responsible thing? You know, the fundamental question, would you like to have that option yourself? I mean, I know if I got so bad, I want to kill myself because it's just unbearable to live. I want that option. Well, that's, that's, I don't want to be a dementia sufferer. That's, that's the thing, once again, it's a bit more complex with this case because it seems like there are a lot of other overlapping issues going on with this that make it a bit hazy. So I'll read some of the information. So Lauren has severe ME, also called CFS. She prefers to avoid the term. According to, according to her, it gives a wrong impression. I'm not chronically tired. It's extreme, all-encompassing exhaustion. Even now, she's in bed in green Adidas sweatpants, support stocking up to her groin to pump up the blood, because obviously if you lay in bed for too long, uh, the blood can stop circulating properly and cause issues. Her head on a neck pillow for extra support, and a large shark cuddly toy next to her to, um, to support her legs against the pain. A cup of water with a straw at arm's length. Lauren literally gets sick from exertion, she says, whether it is physical, cognitive, 
or emotional, sometimes even texting with friends on my phone is already too much. Taking the stair lift down for breakfast, then going outside in a wheelchair for a breath of fresh air on her face, they seem like simple things, but even that is too much. My head and base of skull then become very hot in these situations. If she does too much, she'll have a PEM attack. Then her complaints worsen. Sometimes new complaints arise. These are unbearable attacks of extreme restlessness and adrenaline in my entire body. I'm constantly tossing and turning in bed and cannot find any rest. That is terribly tiring when you're already so exhausted. So she's 28 years old, and she wasn't always like this, as the article goes into. In 2019, just after the summer, Lauren became extremely tired. She became dizzy while exercising, and it felt like a virus that wouldn't go away. And here's where some of the complications come into it, because from what I discussed with Josh, the research that he's aware of that had been done into ME found that there is basically no understanding of what really causes it. And all of the diagnoses and and, um, medical practitioners who examine these cases basically have to go entirely off of self-reports. And there'd been very little physical research done into seeing what was causing it. There was physical tests done with Lauren to see what was going on with her body after she'd complained enough uh, about the fact that all of the different serv- um, all of the different treatments that she was give- getting given for other things weren't actually helping her, but it does make it quite difficult given that you are purely going off of self-report of I'm feeling this unnatural sense of exhaustion that means that, as she describes in this, even lifting up my arm for too long to be able to drink from a, a glass of water can leave my arm sore in a similar way that she used to experience when she used to go rock climbing. It could also be hours. related to some kind of, I mean, I don't want to speculate on this poor woman's health, but it can be related to other autoimmune conditions, including like long-term food intolerances or medication use. So it, it could be a symptom of a larger problem that could be ameliorated by things other than killing yourself. Well, that's the thing she said in this article that she also has autism and ADHD. It was long thought that they had something to do with that. All, all kinds of investigations followed Possible without results. Mm. Super frustrating, as if I was acting out, as if it was something psychological. I didn't feel taken seriously by the doctors at all. Now, this is just my opinion, because um, there is evidence that it, with her that it is physical. But I can imagine that when she talks about the emotional exhaustion that she was experiencing, the ADHD and autism, and the fact that she would also get these incredible bursts of adrenaline. From what I discussed with Josh, those are pretty typical symptoms of people who suffer from both autism and ADHD, which tend to come paired together. So it does seem that some of the symptoms that she was experiencing were more related to those conditions rather than necessarily ME, not that the physical conditions that she was experiencing weren't related to something else. Only later did she read about ME. All symptoms corresponded to her complaints. She did a tilting table test at an expertise center, and she was loaded with equipment, had to lie on a table and was strapped down table tilted slightly. She felt dizzy, nauseous, almost fainted. I immediately received so many complaints that the test was stopped prematurely. The blood going to her brain was measured, and with a slight tilt, it was already much less than in healthy people. Her blood pooled too much in her legs, and not enough flowed to her head and her heart. It's called orthostatic intolerance. As patients, we sometimes say jokingly that we are allergic to gravity because being upright makes us sick. After that test, she had some tangible medical uh, evidence that something was really wrong. I wasn't crazy. I really was sick, she said. At the time, Lauren lived with her two cats, Bagel and Bean, in an apartment in Almere. She received home care after all these diagnoses, but even with help, it was no longer possible to live independently. She canceled the lease and moved in with her mother and stepfather, after which it seems that she pushed to get the euthanasia and was able to get it on, um, on January the 27th. And it's even more heartbreaking for a poor mother and father because it was um, December was the anniversary of her brother's death. 
who died in the uh, uh, past December from bone cancer. So it's a, a really, really awful situation. And once again, from what I can tell, I, I'm no expert, but if this was caused by physical complaints, just saying, oh, we'll kill you then, if that's what you want, isn't going to help anybody in the future. It's not going to solve these problems. It's not going to create treatments and cures for this. In fact, it gives the medical establishment an easy way out. And it gives governments, especially in places with socialized healthcare systems where you're going to be a drain on the system, it gives them an easy excuse to get you off the books, to uh, save some costs. I think you're right to have that concern about assisted dying, absolutely. Because, I mean, we saw in Canada, it was just like, well, we just kill the old people. Well, that's an option, a great one, for various reasons, but there we are. But I don't know if I believe that this is the easy option financially, if you're in Big Pharma. I don't know anything about this condition or what the, the clinical research, the reason why they haven't done it, or anything of the sort. But I would have thought that getting them hooked on drugs that keep them from getting fatigued would be more profitable. Potentially, but you don't know if there's some kind of subsidies going from the government and if the government is saving money overall. As we found with Canada, one of the big selling points was how much money they were saving on these things. Governments and pharma often collude with one another. So you we're don't dealing know with they're subsidizing it. Like when you're dealing with the extreme elderly, it is the case that the costs exponentially go up. I remember when we did medical physics at university, we did actually have to calculate if it was worth treating someone. Mm. So someone with a certain type of cancer, you not only calculate, are you going to die before this kills you? But also, is this even worth it if it wouldn't? Like, if we give you an extra year of life, but we spend 150 grand, I'm not even sure we'll actually get that extra year of life. I mean, you're, then you're, you do have to have make these assessments. I mean, you are talking about in that case whether the choice of ending it now or essentially artificially ex, uh, expanding, uh, expanding their life expectancy. It's a percentage game, because you don't actually get the guaranteed extra year of life either. You might have like a 60% chance of even that extra year, in which case you don't do it. So, why would you spend 150 grand for that? Yeah, of course, there are arguments um, in favor of it. There are arguments against it, ethical arguments, practical arguments. But the fact of the matter is that a lot of this seems to be coming from a perspective of uh, the idea that life is expendable, especially in mass society right now. Life is something that can be swatted aside because there's so many of you that it doesn't really matter. And especially when it comes to programs like MADE, you are a drain on the system. You are a figure on a spreadsheet. Therefore, it's easier for us to take you off that spreadsheet, no matter how it is that we're doing it. Um, and that's how I see these programs being expanded. For instance, they will, if Labour gets in especially, definitely be coming to the UK. Keir Starmer had supported assisting dying law uh, changes to the law back in 2015. Uh, he was backing a bill and uh, that was backed along with other Tory cabinet members uh, that was defeated in Parliament, but he was definitely backing it. And he has said that there are grounds for changing the law. So he'll want to do that. And with the NHS being what it is, and knowing the abuses that came through the system in Canada, where you had doctors pressuring patients who had treatable diseases and treatable conditions, pushing them to the MAID program rather than actually treating them, in some cases explicitly foregoing treatment, so they made the people worse to encourage them to do it by making their situation so terrible that they felt this is the only escape. I don't see this going well if it's introduced to the UK. The, uh, the debate has been reignited recently as well. And it's been off the back of Dame Esther Ransom having a terminal diagnosis and saying that she wanted assisted dying because uh, it was defeated. This bill was defeated and also the Lord's debate went nowhere. But also, as we've seen with Britain, weirdly enough, the governing body of the, the soap storylines often drip feed storylines 
on political issues ahead of politicians caring about them. So we saw this when they all coordinate with COP. We saw this in the 90s with Deirdre Barlow having been uh, wrongfully imprisoned and Tony Blair gets up at the dispatch box. It's been going on since the 60s. At Coronation Street at the moment, there is a uh, gay man who has eternal illness and his Anglican vicar husband is grappling with the morality of helping him kill himself under assisted dying and he's now justifying it according to biblical doctrine and it just so happens to be the same time as the Esther Ranson stuff and this huh. stuff that's an interesting predictive programming right there and the thing is they'll get case studies for it they'll use made as a positive case study because they'll say oh we've alleviated the suffering of so many thousands of people we've saved this much money from the health service so of course it's going to be a benefit to the NHS it's actually being discussed in Jersey at the moment. For those who don't know, Jersey is one of the Channel Islands. So it's being discussed there. I'll read some of this. The Minister for Health and Social Services has published the Assisting Dying in Jersey Ethical Review Report, which has contributions by three experts of medical law and ethics from the universities of Bristol, Manchester, and Toronto. And the expert from Toronto is the one that I'll focus on in a moment. Following the publishing of the consultation feedback report in April this year, the minister announced her intentions for ethical review for, uh, to further inform detailed proposals for assisted dying in Jersey. Ethical review builds on the state's assembly in principle decision that assisted dying should be permitted in Jersey. Summarizes ethical arguments on key aspects of assisted dying and maps these ethical considerations across Jersey-specific proposals. The review has largely been undertaken externally by three experts. Those, uh, all three individuals have published work on the subject, and the Council of Ministers is preparing to lodge proposals for the debate by the end of March 2024 with the intention of debating before the end of summer this year. So the professors are a Professor Huxtable, who is in favor of adopting a middle ground or compromise position on assisted dying, which seeks to accommodate arguments for and against allowing assisted dying, which seems just to be a centrist fence-sitting position. I don't know what argument he might be making. Dr. Mullock is broadly in favor of assisted dying as a compassionate response within a carefully regulated scheme that safeguards individuals who might be regarded as vulnerable if assisted dying is permitted. Mullock. Mullock. Close enough, I know. But see how many ifs, ands, or buts there are in that statement. Well, if there are safeguards, as long as they're going to be um, protecting these people, as long as we're uh, safeguarding them from being um, abused by the system, as long as we're putting all of these barriers up in place. So you have to have a lot of faith. Yeah, good luck at that. You have to have a lot of faith in the system to trust that that's going to happen. But the most interesting one is the Toronto professor, Professor Lemons. Professor, kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sorry, but Canada does just have that. Well, that's interesting, Callum. Association Professor now. Lemons has supported, including as an expert witness in litigation, a first Canadian law which allowed euthanasia and assisted suicide in broad end-of-life context. So this is one of the guys who presumably acted as an expert witness as they were litigating for Bill C-7. Wait, so they haven't, in this debate, got someone who is against it, authoritatively no. against it? Well, he has become increasingly concerned since promoting that about how assisted dying regimes develop over time, particularly when they allow direct administering of lethal medication by healthcare providers and have no specific terminal illnesses and prognosis of survival as safeguards. He is opposed to legalizing the practice outside of a clearly delineated end-of-life context and is concerned about the overall ability to monitor the practice. So he's talking about it more in the case of what you're outlining there, Callum, which is where you're talking about a line of percentages. Do we artificially extend this person's lifespan past the point where they would have naturally died due to this disease, or do we give them an easier option to end it right now? That's what he's talking about. But in supporting that bill, shockingly enough, 
he gave the government a blank check to take it as far as they want. Because all it takes is a few years for it to all of a sudden expand way further than that initial remit. Because the government sees, well, actually, it saved us a lot of money on that last little bit of extended life that we cut off there. How much more money can we save from this? Well, what's the pension age? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And here is some uh, words he wrote about the situation back in 2022. In an article for Impact Ethics, Faculty of Law Professor Trudeau Lemons, Skull Share in Health and Law and Policy, argues that proposals to expand advance requests for medical assistance in dying ignore the Supreme Court's restraint reflected in the Carter decision and reverse constitutional and human rights norms. Here's his direct quotes from this. While a federal joint parliamentary committee on medical assistance in dying is still supposed to be exploring whether offerings made based on an advance request, AR, should be expanded, one of its members, Senator Wallen, already introduced a bill to do exactly that. And Quebec's government also wants to do so before the summer recess. An expansion would further allow made based on a prior, sing, uh, prior signed form when the person is no longer able to confirm consent. When allowing this in situations of advanced dementia, we will be faced with what has evoked outrage in the Netherlands, the surreptitious medicating of parents with dementia who no longer understand what is being done to them to facilitate ending their life and potentially suppressing their physical resistance. The Netherlands was the only jurisdiction that allows made under such circumstances, and its Supreme Court recently endorsed this practice. Remember, this is all back in mid-2022. Belgium allows euthanasia based on advanced requests, but only when patients have become permanently unconscious. Since Bill C-7's adoption, MAID can be performed with an advanced request in Canada when the person satisfied the law's access criteria and was able to consent at the time of signing the form. MAID providers are pro uh, prohibited from ignoring refusal or resistance expressed by words, sound, or gestures, but the law undermines the safeguard by allowing MAID providers to interpret these to be involuntary or made in response to contact. The law remains silent about surreptitiously medicating patients. Made advocates now want to expand ARs for made to allow someone to stipulate the circumstances in which they want to have their life ended, with another person deciding when that time has come. So he's saying there that, um, yeah, this law means that if this person is obviously fighting back and wants to carry on living and doesn't want this treatment, you as the medical professional can now say it's involuntary spasms. It's an involuntary response due to me touching them or because of the condition in the first place. We That's saw this, obviously uh, murder. Yeah, we saw this during COVID of where they had do not resuscitate orders placed on people on ventilators uh, on the grounds they were autistic. That was their only other comorbidity. And you could, you could just withdraw treatment for them for that. Mm -hmm. Recently in Australia, there has been a, uh, there's been a, a move to, uh, to retain a ban on doctors raising voluntary assisted dying with ill patients to remain as Victoria reviews law. They are reviewing the law, but it looks like they're keeping that ban. I didn't even know that they had this program in states in Australia, but they do. And the advocates, as it points out here, lament the missed opportunity for reform, saying some safeguards have become barriers. But of course, what we found out in Canada is when you give doctors the opportunity to do that, they will stop treating you and they will try and push it on you. That is what has happened. And that is what will happen. As far as I'm concerned, with the state of our governments as they exist right now, it can only really go in one direction. Because if you have assisted dying for physical illnesses that are considered debilitating, what's the logical argument for not having it for mental illnesses that you could consider debilitating? Why is it having to be for those that are severe and debilitating? Who gets to decide whether it's severe or not? 
why can't it be a qualified decision, a self-assessment by the patient? Oh, I just can't go on living. Why not by the doctor? If you're a conservative, well, they're steadily trying to redefine that as being a mental illness. So what if a qualified doctor can say, sorry, he's got a terminal case of conservative values? So off with a you. terminal case because yep. we're going to kill him now. <laughs> this is what's. The, uh, the, I, I guess you've got to go. So uh, you you absolutely know the government would love to be able to legitimize themselves doing something like that. And so when you don't hold life to be sacred in and of itself, in many cases, uh, when, when everything is purely optional and based purely on the consent principle, if you decide that I revoke my consent for being alive. Like, what is the liberal, rational argument against that that doesn't involve some kind of religion or metaphysics? Yeah, what's, the, what's the materialistic one as well? Like, when, if you're just a meat engine and you're interfacing with the world and your only goal is to have pleasures and experiences, if your brain starts degenerating and you can't enjoy pleasure anymore, well, you may as well just exit. And, wh and when I talk about mental illnesses, when I first started reporting on this last year when people were starting to break the story, I think it might have been either last year or in 2022, um, I and many others pointed out that this will eventually move on to being mental illnesses that they're treating this with as well. And people said, oh, it's, don't be ridiculous. It's not going to go that far. Well, I'm sad to break it to you, but Canada is delaying plans to offer medically assisted death to the mentally ill and not for the ethical reasons that you might think. Literally, it says in this New York Times article, the announcement by Mark Holland, the health minister, and Arif Virani, the justice minister, came after a special parliamentary committee looked into the plan and concluded that there are not enough doctors, particularly psychiatrists in the country, to assess patients with mental illnesses who want to end their lives and help them to do so. So it's not ethical reasons. It's, it's, it's not practical <laughs> yet. There are too many mentally ill people in Canada. Clearly immigration can <laughs> solve this. We need more doctors, yep. lawyers, and engineers to kill the native population. Well, to diagnose you... So, so, then they, get killed. so that then you can get killed. Yeah. The system needs to be ready and we need to get it right, Mr. Holland told reporters. It's clear from the conversations we've had that the system is not ready and we need more time. So all of this is qualified with yet. We're not ready yet. We're not ready to listen to you say that you've been suffering to, from depression for the last year and instead of doing anything to help you, we'll kill you. We're not ready for that yet, but we will be eventually. Neither minister offered any timeline for the latest extension. Following an earlier delay, the expansion had been scheduled to come into effect on March 17th. Many psychiatrists say the plan would undermine efforts to prevent suicide. You don't say. You don't say. Well, well if we just kill them ourselves, does it really count as suicide? Says the Canadian government. Psychiatrists confounded by this amazing logical line of argument. And they have expressed fears that patients with complex problems will abandon treatments that can take years to achieve results in favor of a medically assisted death. But thankfully, the rational, reasonable supporters say that denying people with mental illnesses the option to end their suffering through death is a form of discrimination. That's their only argument. You're discriminating against me, bro. You need to take my neurodivergence seriously, bro. So life is itself a form of racism. Yes. And also, once again, with the logic, the endless train of slippery slope logic that this ends up going on, well, okay, is it just 18s and over that we get to choose this on? What about 14-year-old what about girls who are going the, through uh... some major troubles and developmental health illnesses? If we're taking them as having the ability to consent to all manner of treatments, the trans surgeries and other things, why can't they consent to this? There was already, I think, a Belgian teenager who was euthanized because she reported depression. There you go. And uh, as a total figure, 
About 13,200 Canadians had an assisted death last year, a 31% increase over 2021. According to a report by Federal Health Department, about 3.5% of those patients were not terminally ill, but had other qualifying medical conditions, which says to me that they were probably unnecessary. So if you wonder what the government's solution is going to be for the absurd levels of discontent in the general population as their countries are destroyed, the economy is ravaged, uh, their demographics are changed, they're replaced, their history is spat on, and everything else that we always cover on this podcast. Uh, if that gets you down, the government has a new solution for you. Well, that's depressing. Yes. Let's have some... Was to, end it, to end it positively, don't, don't kill yourselves. <laughs> Live. Enjoy life while you still can. Like your PSA. Yes. Public service announcement. Don't kill yourself. Come on. Get up the Japanese fishermen. Never give up. Yeah. There you go. See? All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on. So, there are some things that uh, other people just can't see that apparently we can see. And I think it's visual light. You know, that spectrum of light. You know, the bit you can see. I think we can see that and there are some people who just can't. And I'm not talking about the actually blind. I'm talking, of course, about leftists. Because I, I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know what we could do to convince them. It's over. Yeah, there is no Try convincing them. This is an ex ex ah, existential fight. We're just going to have to... Like, there's no talking to these people. And I'm talking about immigration on this topic. We'll get to that in a minute. I have an announcement to make, of course, being Calvin Robinson is joining. And you can use code CRUSADE for 50% off gold tier for the first three months. And that'll get you access to not only the show, but to be able to send him video comments. But of course, you can access all premium stuff for just be five pounds a month. Sign up. If you are going to send him video comments, um, do say, dear Calvin, my father, my only father, in the intro, and then we'll know it's for him. There we are. Put some <laughs> uh, like choir angels in the background playing. Get creative, yeah, is all I'm have saying. fun. So, let's get into it. Because uh, the Labour Party put out this, and usually I don't give a crap about Westminster politics if I can help it, but this, this, this hit a nerve. Because this is a, a, just some Twitter post saying, under the Conservatives, Dentistry isn't working, accompanied by an image. And the image has been rubbed out quite a bit, you can notice. But there are so many dentists in that queue. Yeah, it's uh, St. Paul's Dental Practice in Bristol, and then they're showing you the queue, and the queue is long. And the, the message being, long queue, therefore conservative. No, 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 I know, I know what this is saying. We've just got too many doctors, nurses, and <laughs> dentists for the amount of practices. Look, they're all trying to sign up for this one dental practice. We just need to build more practices. Yeah, we need to build more dentists. That's obviously Are you, are you aware what this is referencing, by the way? The labor isn't working poster yeah. from the old days. Have you got that up? Or So for, I haven't, but for people who don't know, basically the conservatives used to run this uh, campaign. There was a bunch of people, I think it was lining up for the Dole line to get government handouts. And it was labor isn't working. And this is famous. So it's a joke on that. Well, it's not a joke. The reason they've done this is because the Saatchi and Saatchi marketing department who did it for Thatcher in 1979 have since come out and endorsed Keir Starmer and are working for him. Well, good God, they've gone downhill. They've just, they've just used their old, <laughs> they've just used their old poster. Well, it's, it's also just kind of funny that it's so backwards now because yep. if that's a famous poster that everyone enjoys, it's like if you like pre political propaganda, people buy framed versions of that poster to keep up because it's so famous. But uh, let's, let's have a look, because every MP under the sun for the Labour Party was obviously retweeting this, because that's their job, the shill. Because they said, ha-ha, we finally got those conservatives now, ha-ha. Look at all those people. Yes, average people. Um, well, here's the full image in question. And you may have noticed in the previous example, what I may have noticed, which is the people lining up. For those listening, 
They're not the most British looking of people in their dress sense or any other sense. And a lot of people notice this. Doctors and nurses, every one of them, so excited to start their new careers at St. Paul's Dental Practice. Now, if they were all Indian, I might believe that because they're overrepresented <laughs> as dentists. But they're not all Indians. They're um, different types. And there's another shot I found online of the same queue, which, um, again, a, a distinct lack of Indian ladies who have done dentistry or become a nurse. What do you mean, Callum? They look as British as you and me. Uh, well, you know, there's some of them wearing the same clothes I wear on my weekends, which tells me they're not. Callum, I hate to break this to you, but I don't see colour. I've gone blind. Do you see fashion? Because I, I just told you I'm blind, Callum. <laughs> I can't see anything, Callum. Help me. Should we cut the podcast? Someone, someone genuinely brought a chair. Yeah. Uh, so this is a video that someone took and um, all the left-wing ones were retweeting a version of this video where he doesn't show you the face, like he's walking the opposite way in the queue. Right. And then someone walked the way where you see the faces and the things they're wearing and the, the chairs they've brought. And of course... I, I thought you were going to say they were, they were sharing a version where they'd given it the old CNN treatment. <laughs> <laughs> really boosted the white balance. <laughs> it's conspicuously diverse, yeah. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people looked at the fashion sense of the people involved. And then the other aspects, which might give you a clue as to as to their uh, beliefs. How many children six. were in those? That was six children from that one immigrant family. I'm glad someone's getting the birth rates up. I'm sure that they'll be I mean, uh, they're, learning Shakespeare in no time. The dentists are starting young these days. <laughs> <laughs> more, more. I mean, good on them. They really do work hard. A lot more kids in this than you'll find in any English town. But there we are. Um, like waiting outside Glastonbury. I mean, <sighs> and it goes on and on and on. I just can't get the brass balls or maybe the blindness of the Labour Party out of my head as they saw this and thought, yeah, yeah, this will get the Conservatives. Yeah, look what you've done. Which, I mean, kind of, yeah, mass migration is their fault. But this I, is not your narrative. This is Reform's narrative. I, I like <laughs> this to is think, the far right's narrative. I like to think whoever posted this original image that you shared of the dentistry isn't working is, is a, a secretly based, an infiltrator <laughs> He's our guy and posted this out there going like, oh, Labour, don't know what's going to him. But we've reached the end. That went all the way around this road, oh, around the mask. corner. Took a minute and a half. What the hell are you people eating also that you need emergency dental treatment this badly? You're going to be willing to wait in that queue. So also, here's the also, problem. Also, the, the caption here, oh, the Daily Heil, would, you, would have you blame amorphous brown people for that? I hate to break it to you, man. It's not the brown people even, because of course- I mean, there were a fair few. There was a lot of brown people. <laughs> but it's not even about that, obviously, because mass immigration comes from all over the world, and we also have a huge amount of Europeans here who want the same access. I mean, like, yeah, if it, was a, if it was a queue full of uh, men wearing berets holding baguettes- Give me your health care. It would still be <laughs> the same problem, I suppose. I am still mad. Why, why am I doing French? Anyway, but the um, you, you're right to point out, well, why is it that everyone's waiting so damn long? Well, in the Southwest, I read the statistic before I came on, 99% of dentist uh, practitioners in the Southwest are currently not accepting patients. These are NHS dentistry, of course. Private right. ones, where you pay money, a lot of money, and they're happy to take you in because they like money. The last time I got my, um, I went to the dentist, I went uh, and saw the car at the front. It was a fucking supercar. Like, really? Sincerely, like, oh, like a, a Lambo. Even better, like a one-seat track car that you would only, I don't know, it must have cost a million quid or something. The, the, the windscreen wipe is just one in the middle. There's one seat for you to sit in. Are you sure it wasn't Jeremy Clarkson visiting or something? Is your dentist midnight as Batman? It, it, it may be, because I went in. Best service I've ever had. Very quick. Dude did some scans for free as well. and was just like, I've got loads of money. I don't care. I do this for fun. 
And I can tell. <laughs> You've got to I'm do something between. I'm something smiley faces on all of your teeth for fun. <laughs> I don't even have a license. <laughs> yeah, he was weirdly mad. But anyway, but the NHS ones, of course, the, the government run ones, which still charge you, but not as much. And therefore, the salaries are lower. And that's a whole other issue. Um, well, they, they opened a new one being St. Paul's because St. Paul's got opened. And as you can see here, they offer NHS and private. And they are accepting new NHS patients on the 5th of February, 11 a.m. So this is now day number three. And if you look it up, that queue's still going. Oh, really? I'm not joking. This is the third day of queuing. <laughs> because so they think the Queen's buried there or something. <laughs> so what you're telling me is they're finally assimilating to British culture. Maybe. Beautiful. Maybe. I mean, I do love the promotional image here. Is there's all white girls smiling in sunflowers. Six months smiles. Is that how long bloody queue's going to take? <laughs> <laughs> and they're showing you, you know, some teeth and whatnot. And then it's, you know, some more white middle class people with good teeth. And then you scroll down and there's the team. And the team... Is um ah very yes not very white middle class it's it's Indian ladies it's overwhelmingly Indian ladies and then one white guy <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Britain they used the same picture twice scroll they back did. up wait yeah, hang on. a lot of wait, Palik Bukhava is also oh no they just oh, listed okay, them okay. for some reason why have they listed themselves twice I don't know they just want to pump up the numbers they're really trying to pad out this page aren't they oh yeah we've totally got enough staff guys <laughs> look we've got uh, Dr. Gary Pradden dentist and then we've also got uh, Dr. Uh, Pradden dentist <laughs> lots of parents lots of good bud anyway but uh, the numbers here I thought were interesting because I didn't notice um, of the European sounding names I found two nurses and one dentist Mr. Uh, Peter over there yep being that one um, is this abnormal yes in case you're wondering because that's what went through my mind I found this uh, investigation from the BDJ. Uh, it's a medical journal. British Dentistry something, then. Yeah. And uh, they were looking at diversity. And, um, oh, God, this was published in 2021, so it's a bit insufferable. So they, they write in It might here. also be a bit out of date, but we can... Well, yeah, three years. I did find one from the year 2001, which was very similar. And the, the statistics are that um, of the dentists, it's an Indian lady who's authored it, because every dentist is <laughs> just... Yep. Uh, 72.6% of dentists identify as white. And she says this is a positive shift for those from an ethnic minority background. Her words. So of the white British population, they're 81% of the pop, 72% of the dentists. So they are underrepresented. But there's an interesting caveat to that because that massive change is recent. It's the junior level. So overwhelmingly ethnic minority and the overwhelmingly Indians and overwhelmingly not black Caribbeans. So that's the data. As it is. There, there really is a lot of pure ethnic narcissism going into that statement, isn't there? Could, have you ever heard the thing where some women will be uh, like, as a joke, they'll be like, oh, I would never let a straight man touch my hair or a woman touch my hair. It's got to be gay men doing my hair. That's a joke that I've heard. Are these people like, I would never let a white man touch my teeth? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you're like believing in magic or something, I feel like there'd be a connection there, but whatever. So she then goes on to whine about George Floyd because she's. Wasn't this to do with dentistry? Yes. Yeah, she, George Floyd was killed by a root canal. <laughs> yeah. She says that because... If Chauvin hadn't given him that tooth infection. Yeah. She says that more is needed, even though that they're overrepresented. That more is needed because George Floyd um, yep. died for the sins of dentistry. I don't know. It's, you can go OMG, look at this video of George Floyd. Throw away your culture and heritage. I mean, it is just a fact. Of those of us who, who go out and read medical studies for whatever reason, uh, I uh, just for those of you who are doing it, a drinking game every time you do get George Floyd mentioned have a shot because 2021 is a magical time for that for these things anyway but that's that's the will die but the, the queuing I mentioned the queuing well here's the live update on the queuing 
Because it just keeps going. There's a live page for it. Yeah, just like the, the Queen's Death, Bristol Live are running a live chat for the queue. And you can see where the queue starts and people talking about the queue and how the queue's going and how the queue is bad. And We've here's got the queue. Q mania going on. <laughs> Q's everywhere. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> Sunday at the queue. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it goes on and on. I mean, yeah, there's, there's one of the M- Labour MPs uh, talking about that thing I mentioned, which is that the, the reason there's such high demand is because people just aren't accepting new patients. And this one just opened. And the reason it just opened is because this person here is claiming responsibility for just opening it. That's right. I've been behind the queue the whole time, pulling the <laughs> strings of the queue. Do you know what's very interesting? You know that map that we spoke about a few weeks ago now, and it was an onward poll that said which constituencies in the UK wanted more immigration? Yeah, and it was only was. London's. Yeah, Bristol was the only one outside London that wanted more immigration. How's that working out for you guys? They need dentists. <laughs> well, <laughs> strapped for dentists. <laughs> so Tara Miran over here, um, she desperately wanted more dentists to be open. So she is one responsible, claiming responsibility of being part of the team that got St. Paul's open again. Um, who is she? She's a Kurdish rights activist. I misread her app. For, uh, I thought that said turd Tara. No, no, no it's, Tara. It's Kurd Tara. Yep, Kurdish. That's very close in English. Poor, poor naming scheme. Race and health equalities. Yep, you're all very equal standing in that queue for all eternity. But it's just weird. It's, it's like, an AI image. <laughs> she, she's an Iraqi Kurd who spends her time talking about Ibril. Um, she's living in Bristol for I don't know why. <laughs> and she just spends her time whining about how I, I don't know what Kurds are being oppressed. And so we'll go home then. I just I don't know what to say about this. But she is a, a foreigner who's needing to go for more dentists because we need more for foreigners. That's, that's the reality of the story here. Now, the response to all this I find most interesting, and it summed up perfectly in one chap, who I'm not sure why he hasn't protected his tweets yet, but he hasn't. Mr. John Lewis. Masochist, I assume. Now, I don't notice many John Lewis in the queue, but he's deeply affected by the queue himself. He says here, this is utterly effing shameful, but feel free to start blaming all the problems on immigration. If they weren't here, they wouldn't be queuing. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> I'm still blind, by the way. Yes. Ah, yeah. This man, I think we can't be too bullying of because he is a blind man. <laughs> well, he is a dog, so maybe he literally doesn't oh see color. God, yeah. But, yeah, he can't see fashion either. He doesn't. Yeah, but the dog where his owner lives. The dog would smell the difference. Oh, come on. (laughs) Don't need to go that way. I mean, you could literally, the hijabs, I think, are a good giveaway of maybe this isn't the best place in which you find the average uh, churchgoer. But it's not the only one. I mean, I'm not blind, so you can just look at the image. So this being the original image, which showed the same thing as the footage, of course, being that um, Iraqi Kurdistan is not very British, just saying. On this image, all the white people I see are police by the looks of it. That, that is true. Which is even more shocking, to be honest. They turned up to stop the queue. So they, they said at a certain point, you guys have to go home. The queue's not going to get this far. Come back tomorrow. Mm. I, you've all had enough fun in the queue, lads. Yeah. I know you love the queue. We all love the queue, but the queue's got to wait for tomorrow. Yeah. Um, the location in question. Here it is. So that's Booper Dental Care. That's <laughs> next to the Ahmed <laughs> Market. Next to Ahmed Market. <laughs> now I'm just saying, John Lewis, I, I, I've got eyes. So, <laughs> so we're going to have a look around the neighborhood, yeah, well, shall John we? John Lewis is illiterate. So let's, uh, let's have a look. We have an international barbers oh, right. on the other side. Oh, my, my high street's full of international barbers. A, okay. A vape shop. <sighs> Who owns those? This is a pub that has been converted into a cafe. So there we are. The pubs aren't too popular around here. Don't know why that. Is the case. There was like one random white guy sitting outside <laughs> of that, caught on camera, 
There's the Sahan. The Sahan shop there, which looks empty. There's oh, another liquor mogul. So that means that you can uh, buy cards to call your relatives overseas. Yeah. And even more common than any other kind of ethnic shop, if we turn around, Callum, with the Eastern European shop there, yeah, we, if we go to the other yeah. side, yeah. we can see the kebab warehouse. No, no, no. Oh, even it, further, shall we? Just, just a shut down shop. Oh, is that your definition and, of foreign? No, and empty. <laughs> no, no, because it's more Ooh, even. Bugger. It's even more common than anything else. It's getting more common. As Aaron Bastani, of all people, pointed out, that yeah. the high streets are empty a lot of the time, unless they're full of foreign shops. Jamaican, that's, that's lovely. I love Jamaican food, but that's a, a key factor. You can see here, there's a supertonic. This is a, a barber's. Oh, these that's caps. a very large property for a barber's. I'm sure it's a very reputable establishment. Well, there are I mean, big is... competition with the international barber's down the road. It's mm. fierce. There's Malik's Supermarket. Okay. Also in competition with Ahmed's Supermarket. Well, it turns out they're not the only ones. I mean, if you go over here as well, you can notice there's another Barber's in there. Both alike in dignity. There is uh, then over here you can see a Somali food. Somali uh, Indian. Wahabari. Uh, no. Somali Indian and Middle Eastern. You know, there's the joke about oh, but what about the incredible range of restaurants? <laughs> the incredible range of barbers is the new thing. Yeah. Where else would I get my haircut, guys? Right. I mean, I could go further down the high street, but I can't be bothered. So we're going to end that there. You can see the once upon a time. There was a different place. We here. were a real country. That's yes. so depressing. But um, there we are. So that's the location. So um, forgive me, Mr. John Lewis, for thinking that fashion might represent the community or the shops. But I have another thing that might represent the community: the ONS data, because you can just find that. And as you can see here, this is a map of people born outside the UK. So it's a thirty-one point nine percent for this average. Of course, if you scroll that's out, shockingly low. You go out to Broadmead here; it's fifty-eight percent born outside. You know, smaller over here in eighteen percent. But there we are. That's Bristol for you. That's the city centre, that's the area. But if you go to the uh, white British group, um, it gets a bit more extreme. So down to 44%, so that's yeah. 66% are not white British in this area. And of course, it goes even more extreme depending on the specific area you're looking. I mean, that one did there. I th did I just see 4%? That yeah, 4 is 4.3%, yeah. That is the exact um, uh, neighbourhood where the uh, dentist is. That's the one we just looked at. That's 4.3%. So there we are. Um, I, I have made a new version of the graph in case reformer board and I want to stop posting pointless things and instead just mark labor because that's more fun. So uh, do it, boys. But there we are. That's the dentist. That blew up. And I can't believe the brass balls or the level of blindness that has infected this nation. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a cure for the blind soon. Maybe it'll be the I can video. only hope so. It'll probably be the government killing me. <laughs> what is it with you and mate? <laughs> I'm not, it's not me. It's the government. <laughs> as soon as Keir Starmer comes in, that's what we're getting. Can you wait for the uh, Keir Starmer regime where he gets to choose whether if you go into hospital, whether you're coming back out again? Toothache. Kill yourself. Yeah, there you go. A certain kind of person. That's all getting cut, I think. <laughs> that might go too far. But anyway, let's uh, go to the video comments, shall we? Let's play videos. videos. Oh, it's Joshua. Hey, guys. Watching the latest Lads Hour and I needed to weigh in. Look, fellas, abs are not a sign of strength, okay? They are a sign you need to eat more. Now take a look at the world's strongest man. Every one of them has a power belly, which is totally necessary for picking up big rocks and heavy things, okay? Not to mention the aesthetics. Uh, bigger people are jolly. Look at me. I'm a guy who looks like he's going to have a steak and whiskey with you, not a sad salad. This is actually true. I Very eat true. zero salads. I eat basically a dustbin lid full of meat every day. And also, I prefer the look of awe in a woman's face when I take my shirt off, so... I don't know. I kind of oh, like that. Nice fantasy, bro. I quite like dad bod guys. I'll be honest, he's right. There's something about them that is just more friendly immediately. 
You know what I mean? Or, or am I mad? No, I, I, being the owner of a dad bod currently, I have to agree. <laughs> there we are. The next one. I confess to being frustrated seeing you struggle with that USB mouse when handing over between presenters. Why not use wireless? Anyway, I'd grown frustrated with having to buy batteries for my wireless tech, and so I used rechargeable nickel metal hydride cells. I wanted a top quality charger, and so used one from a German company called Antsman. I was researching their latest multi-stage charging technology in this video. Interesting choice of music in the background, don't you think? Perfect charging can be this easy. The new comfort series of chargers from Antsman. We didn't make that scene. We're musicians in the office. How cheap are we? No, it's a license thing. It, yeah, it's a, it's a piece of license. Hey, I did my own version of it that was a, a unofficial collab with a member, but nothing's been done Disappeared with it. into the ether, right? Okay. I've still got it. I think it was quite awkward when Dave Rubin purchased the same license for a small period and started using it for his outros or whatever. And it was did like, he really? It was just coincidence because it's a cheeky bastard. Carl was just sitting there through this library and going, no, 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 yes. And then we got that one. That's how, that's the, the behind the scenes. Am I letting too much magic out the bag? I've got to point out though, that Connor is absolutely right. We we do have an office full of musicians. It's kind yeah. of shameful that we don't have our own perfectly custom theme. Oh, if Carl wants to pay you to make one, then it doesn't even need to pay me. All right, I'm a bored musician. <laughs> Give me something to do. But yeah, I was sponsored by batteries. But I think um, <laughs> you answered your own question by Jurassa. That's what I was thinking when he said it as well. I mean, I have this problem with gaming. I used to have a wireless mouse, and the thing kept bloody dying. And it's yeah. imagine doing this, and you're you're really, I don't know, um, passionate about something, and it dies. I mean, you would want to just die yourself because it was so awkward. But the main problem is that we just have a limited number of USB inputs. That's am I letting too much magic out? I just should show. No, up. just tell him to listen to the audio version. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well you can still hear us complaining and fuddling. <laughs> so, Professionalism has never been particularly high around here, Callum. Studios are, yeah, I, th I think it's it's something I didn't realize until I got into media probably, but studios are just things. They're, they're not fancy. I mean, most of them are actually quite crap if you go and visit people and, and see them. Because, of course, it's it's just for cameras. I'm laying too much magic out the bag. Moving on. Let's go to the next one. So there's, there's I think that's the wide angle as well, which John might go to occasionally. But yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yes. But, um, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself a little bit to everyone. My name is Jeff. <laughs> uh, I really like that guy. He was really cool. <laughs> I'm sure he'll like it. <laughs> that was that wasn't expecting that. You got us. Next one. So a couple of days ago, I harvested a whole lot of wild potatoes out of my garden. Potatoes. Mash them. Ooh. Wait. Well, I like. And that. then earlier today, I was tilling the soil to plant some new crops. And I found these. I'm going right. to be making lots of potato chips. Okay. You better be boiling them and then putting them in a stew. Chip. Right. Stew potatoes are like a, a one micro run above the ladder for jacket potatoes. And they're, they're offensively horrible. Mash should be banned. It should just be roasties. What? Chips. You have strong opinions on mashed potato. I, I'm, yep. Connor's I'm, got strong contrarian opinions on literally everything. My, my, look, my roast potatoes went internet viral, and I had only Scrans, which was a, an Instagram account that reposts food, steal it, and barely credit me, actually. So I feel like I'm an authority on this position. Banning mashed potato. Yeah. Uh, no, I love mashed potato. Uh, sincerely, I've, I've, I've been doing a very English thing recently. I decided I'm going to learn to cook. 
My my man. my efforts of learning to cook were literally um, mash, 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 sausages and mash with gravy, and then beef with with potatoes and gravy. <laughs> it's just can't really be bothered doing much more. Get a slow cooker. You can just bung it all in and just leave it. No, I just really like the the, the sort of thing Mum would do. Where it's just like you know some some meat, some potatoes, and then maybe some veg and just gravy all over the fucking thing. Yeah, uh, gravy. That's. That's where you're going, right? I've got so much, I've got three tins of it. You know, the gravy's free. You can just take it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not legal advice. <laughs> don't steal the gravy from the shops. But if you find it, in- and if you find street gravy, <laughs> then don't pick that up either. But it is free. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Earlier this year, the Norwegian Department of Science and Higher Education decided she to high. take a student to the Supreme Court for self-plagiarism. Then, two weeks ago, the very minister that made the decision to bring it to the In Supreme Court stepped down as it was revealed that 10 years ago she herself plagiarized 21.9% of her own master. The next day, the media found that the health minister plagiarized the hell out of her masters as well. She's fighting to stay, though, claiming it is a misunderstanding. I think it's safe to say that we have a problem with higher education and plagiarism. Uh, higher education, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry. Surprise midget. We need to stop <laughs> elevating these people to positions above them. Academic integrity really isn't short supply these days. Oh. Uh, just ruined everything what, what, he was trying what, to get across. I mean, I, I, I audio listeners, she was a midget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get what you're saying, though, about educational standards, because I saw a video earlier on today on Twitter that was uh, horrible. It was Callan. Let me ask you a question. It's a very simple question. 15 times 4. 60. Congratulations. You're smarter than American university students. There was a bunch of university students who got asked that, and they couldn't figure it out. It was four women, and they're going like, was it 23? Maybe 23? Is it 23? <laughs> and then one of them really confidently says, 48. And they all go, yeah, 48. Just, I mean, uh, how do you even... Like, five can't even... Go into people are stupid. Did they say what what study they were doing out of interest? Um, I don't know. It didn't say what study that they were doing. But if you're in university, you should at least know your times tables. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people who shouldn't be at university. Yeah, at least they declared the fact that they had breakfast that morning. No, they didn't do that either. Um, but uh, just consider that this is the competency crisis is pretty bad now. But when they're out in the world outside of u- university hug boxes, when they're actually potentially in charge of things, oh, it's going to get so much worse. So to the comments, George Hap says, uh, Father Kelvin Robinson is an amazing addition to the team. Really happy to have him here. and looking forward to the Crusades. Deus Vault. Well, Deus Vault, back to you. Uh, AJ Teeth says, uh, looking forward to seeing Robinson more regularly. And then uh, the Shadow Band donate 50 buckaroos to say, looking forward to seeing Kelvin Robinson. Thank you. Yeah, so there's a, a chorus, in fact, of people who are happy. Let's go to the first section of comments. Mm. Furious Dan, if that man seriously believes email came to life and firebombed him, who is he fighting? Skynet. Uh, that would explain the AI regulation they're currently trying to pass through as well. Lord Nerevar, they won't address it because they know what they've done. As with every political project, great or small, success is not necessary. Saving faces. This is a catastrophe, but to admit it is political suicide. Uh, as we'll be talking about tomorrow, Liz Truss's brand new thing. She won't talk about immigration. She won't talk about anything that the Conservative government have done, even on the precipice of total collapse, because she knows that she was, unfortunately, a part of it. So you can't really save your reputation there, can you? Uh, Baron von Warhawk, so these politicians, they'll never call out the problems because then they will have to admit that their ideology is wrong and these people who've been invited in will never integrate. They'd rather die than admit they were wrong. Yeah, Carl remarked in our recent Rumble live stream that it's like late Soviet levels of denial. Mm. As, as much as I do think there are people who are 
absolutely intentionally manufacturing this stuff and doing it purposefully to hurt the native populations. There are genuinely retards who are part of the upper classes who do believe in this. And they've got such an investment personally in believing it that even if they are firebombed or stabbed or threatened with murder, they can't get it into their heads. music or something and you just think... Well, that Labour MP that was stabbed says that he wants to meet with his stabber to forgive her. And yeah. who was, the, was it the Swedish daughter of a politician who got raped and said, oh, don't deport him? It was socioeconomic factors. And there was the German one where his daughter was murdered and he was just like, well, I forgive him. Was she that bad? Uh, okay, congratulations. Your ancestors are spitting on you right now. Anyway. Gave you this country for this? <laughs> Very Nordic of you. My yeah. ancestors are smiling upon me. Can you say the same? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good attitude to have. <laughs> I mean, I come from a long line of people and they, you know, like did things and had children for a reason, not so that they could watch, you know, their great, 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 great descendants get murdered by migrants and watch their other great descendants go, ah, it's all right. It's a boo-boo. He slipped. Or their other descendants murdered by the government. Yeah. You went very Ilhan Omar there on your Viking origins. There are people who did things some stuff happened. Listen, okay? <laughs> I'm 9% Swedish, and I'm not saying that it got there entirely consensually. Uh, that's the past for you. Let's, yeah. let's move on, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, Derek Power, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Death is the cheapest of all prescriptions. Yes, it certainly is. Kevin Fox, Harry is upset. He ordered a French maid on Getsy and ended up with a Quebec doctor with a big syringe. Mm, yeah, it would have be been worse. Lord Nerevar, assisted dying will be tied into the abortion debate. It's the same arguments, just a different subject. Yeah, absolutely. The, if you can justify killing a baby in the womb, then you can justify killing anybody at any time. Carrie Wernham, assisted dying. Suicide is also being talked about on the Isle of Man. No surprise there. They pledged to end suicide in May 2023. Uh, work that one out. So they said, well, once again, it's like they'll, they'll, they'll use it as an excuse to like, Drop statistics. Oh, there's a male suicide epidemic? Not anymore, because we're doing it for them. So we use different statistics. That's, that's what it'll be. You can always manipulate statistics. Baron von Warhawk, they're taking advantage of mentally unwell people to make suicide look cool and beneficial for our society. These people are pure evil. I don't necessarily know if they're trying to make it look cool. They're trying to make it look like a viable option. The, the next one's actually really important. Mm. Annie Moss. Regarding assisted suicide, are these people all organ donors? I wouldn't be surprised if made in the similar Dutch program are the way that Western countries implement the Chinese method of organ donation, kill people to get the parts you want. It's now an opt-out system in the UK, so you're automatically mm. on the organ donor registry. That's I have since opted out. That's a good point. To so lower your chance of assassination. Well, just like you're not, you're not, you're not worth an... killing anymore. There's no, <laughs> you're not stealing my, my organs. <laughs> you can't get them. <laughs> these are my kidneys. <laughs> David uh, Farugia, I've been living with chronic fatigue since August 2021, and the idea of taking a Canadian panacea horrifies me. Living with this illness is S, but never has suicide crossed my mind. That might, uh, that might be because I'm Catholic, but ignoring my religious beliefs regarding suicide, I'd rather my S life than dying of Hillary Clintonitis. <laughs> Excellent. Turn of phrase there. Also, there are some studies suggesting a link between chronic fatigue and mitochondrial disease. That's interesting. Josh said that some of the research that he was aware of was maybe a bit outdated now. So if there has been further development done into looking into it, then that's excellent because that's what we want. We want 
actual treatments to improve people's quality of life, not cutting off that life before they can have any improvement. It's a terrible thing to do. Uh, I'll do the last one. Dirty Belter, the NHS does not exist to cure people. It exists to make its own cues shorter. They do everything they can to achieve this by telling people to not be a burden, making people jump through hoops to get treatment, deal with such abysmal treatment that it causes new issues, as happened with my mum, sorry to hear that, shutting down the country for a couple of years, and now just straight up killing you. Not yet, but Keir will make sure it gets there. They are more than happy to go ahead with it. Stay healthy. All right. On the um, blind people. JJHW says, shutting down the dental schools was, had a terrible impact on the British dentistry, which was noted 20 years ago. Yeah, my understanding is that it's, um, it's quite bad. Like, I, I was looking into just reading around British dentistry, and it's, it's a hell of a thing to invest your time into. The amount of time it takes to become a dentist is horrific. And I saw on one of the uh, links you had up in your segment that the news has just been announced. They're offering a 20K bonus. Mm. If you sign up to be a dentist, there's now an uh, extra financial incentive. So, I mean, if you want to get into dentistry, I mean, absolutely do it. It seems like there's bucket loads of work forever. But you've got no incentive to stay. Like, you're not obliged if you're trained in Britain to stay in Britain for a certain amount of years because then what will happen is you'll just train up, get the 20K bonus, and then bogger off to Australia and get paid way more. That's the next caveat, which is if you're British, I mean, that seems like a great thing to learn, get the access you can in the UK, but then nobody stays as an NHS dentist, for example, for the exact reason that I mentioned, the private one I went to. I mean, who doesn't want a supercar? Like not even a, a sports car, a goddamn supercar that he drives to work. That's how rich that guy is. So, yeah, you either become that or you just go to Australia, New Zealand, or whatever, and make bucks. Would I, would I want a supercar? I would. What would you? What would you want? Would you want a, a house? No, we're assuming you've got infinite money because you're a damn dentist. So, you, I mean, you've got the house, you've got all the gold bars you want to molest, and then I want a monster truck. Not sure. That would be yeah. way cooler. I want to genetically engineer a triceratops to ride to work. It's on the options. Horse and so, carriage. Base Ape says, a Kurdish rights activist. Tell me exactly what a Kurdish right is. Yeah, haven't figured that one well, yet. It's the opposite of a Kurdish left. <clears throat> <laughs> That's all there is in Kurdistan. It's <laughs> communist. <laughs> no. but, to be fair, she was, she's from Iraqi Kurdistan, which I know less about, but the, the Turkish one is all just commies, which is why everyone supports the Turks, kind of dealing with them. <laughs> so. Not throwing your own endorsement in but there, are you, Callum? They're a, they're a prescribed terrorist group, even in the UK. So we're, we're legally obliged to say, kill them all. I, I'm not joking, sincerely. We there actually you can't take another permission. So there's that. We're out of time. If you'd like more, um, website. If not, bye. Calvin. <laughs>